Hey guys, what's up? This is Eric with 520 Collective and the 520 Collective Podcast. I want to talk to you about Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way possible to make a podcast. Let me break it down for you. One, it's free. That's right. No cost to use Anchor. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will also distribute your podcast for you. So if you want to get on platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and many, many more, then it's really, really easy, guys. You just set up an Anchor account at anchor.fm. You can also make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. Again, make money, no minimum listeners. You're not going to find that anywhere else. It's everything you need to make a podcast, and it's all in one place. So go right now and download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. And make sure you let them know you heard it on 520 Collective Podcast. What's good? Welcome to another Industry Insider interview here on the 520 Collective Podcast. As always, we are sponsored by The Bookkeeper 24-7. Go and check them out at tbk247.com. Daryl and the team, they are supporting Christian hip-hop over there, guys. And you need to support them because they got a real heart for the culture. And they're looking to not only help to establish the Christian hip-hop scene, but to make sure they're doing all things kingdom building. So go check them out, tbk247.com. Yeah, guys, you know me. I'm Eric Boston, and joining me on the 520 Collective phone line, uh, man, he is from Everybody's Hip Hop, author of the Boom Bap Review, uh, man, and, he, and he's got some ties to the Christian hip hop scene, which I'm sure we can talk about as well. Uh, joining me now is MC Till. How you doing, sir? Man, I'm doing great, man. Doing great. Glad to be here. Thanks for the opportunity to come and chat, man. Really appreciate it. A hundred percent, man. And you know, I got, I've kind of been watching what's going on with, uh, you know, specifically the Boom Bap Review, and you know, that led me into everybody's hip hop and, and following like Stowe, and that you know eventually led me to you, right? So it's been really cool, just kind of watching from the outside for a little bit to now getting connected with you and, and just being able to to chop it up for a little bit man so I, I really you know just appreciate what you guys do over there man yeah man likewise likewise appreciate that appreciate it. so let, let's talk about um well let's talk about your background uh, just a little bit before we jump into everybody's hip-hop because you're an artist as well right like how, how long have you been part of music and, and making it and, and all that goes along with that yeah, man, from a very young age, uh, you know, I was a kid memorizing, you know, digital underground lyrics and Ice-T lyrics and De La Soul and my brother, who is three years older than me, he was, you know, starting, he was rapping with his friends for class projects and stuff, and I thought that was so cool, and yeah, so I just got into it as a, a very young kid, and then, you know, started taking it really seriously, you know, as a young adult, and you know, started to, to realize I could actually perform and rap for people. And I would say I started to like, you know, pursue it in a very serious manner, you know, as a young adult. I was doing it for fun, you know, middle school and high school. But as a young adult, you know, after high school, college age, that's when I really, really jumped into it. And, you know, I really have been immersed in it ever since. So it's, it's been it's been a minute, man. It's been fun. A lot of, lot of uh, great memories uh, that hip hop has brought. 
Right, right, for sure. And you um, actually attribute kind of one of the early albums that, you know, kind of captured your attention was Three Foot High and Rising by De La Soul, man. What was it about that album that just kind of drew you into hip-hop? Yeah, I think, you know, before that album, you know, I remember Biz Markie and, you know, LL Cool J and, and Beastie Boys and, and artists like that and thought they were just so cool and was really, you know, captivated by the music and thought it was really cool. But when I heard the Three Feet High and Rising, I think that's what made me want to actually participate and like write lyrics and, you know, make beats and, and that, that type of thing. I, and I think it was just, the album was just so different. Um, and it was, ah, not that it was different, but like, you know, albums, albums that I had heard before that, were like it was like great music so it was like great song 10 great songs or 11 12 great songs but three feet high and rising was like an adventure it was like an experience there was like skits on there but like the skits were also kind of songs but then some of the songs sounded like skits and then there was like skit skits and then there were like songs that were actually songs so like it was just like like i said it was just like this experience of this like musical adventure and i don't know i just got wrapped up in it and was like yeah I, w- I want to do something like this and so so i did yeah i got got started after that yeah man and i love i love that explanation because sometimes you know it's for for if you're interacting with someone that's not really a fan of hip-hop it can be hard to explain what it is about it you know that really just draws people in and creates these strong connections and i think the way you just explained it is a fantastic way to to try to explain that to somebody and and i think that's what's really cool about what you guys do with everybody's hip-hop is because it's not just like hey you know we're trying to get known you know in in this genre or or, or this style of music you guys are really taking like an educational approach and and teaching people right i mean that is is that kind of like the purpose of where everybody's hip-hop kind of came from yeah, totally, totally. I mean, it, it's all about, like, our mission statement is about building community, you know, uh, around hip-hop. And so, yeah, the education piece is, is really big for us. And, and a lot of it is through listening, like, trying to create experiences where we can listen to one another, you know. And, and obviously, you know, with within the crew, there's different levels. Uh, you know, some folks are really, you know, jumping in the books and reading all the time. Others are just experiencing things. Others just listening. So, there's different levels of even within the crew. And so like, even within the crew, it's like, we listen to each other a lot. Like, ah, I didn't, you know, I didn't, I'm not really sure I know about that. Tell me more. So we, we really try to cultivate that type of, you know, type of culture. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So you were talking about just how you came up and developed as an artist. Um, you actually have some connection to Christian hip hop as well. So you kind of understand this space at the same time. You know, you and I were talking before the interview started about you did a album with K Drama, and it's it's been a minute since that album, right? Like, about how long back was that? Man, it's been a long minute. Two thousand—that was like two thousand four, two thousand five, maybe. Yeah, I moved to Cincinnati uh, around that time, and I I don't even know where I was, but I I was rapping somewhere. And K Drama was there, and s- somehow we both had the idea of asking each other to rap at our events that we had going on. 
And like I asked him or he asked me one of the, and he was like, oh yeah, I was going to ask you or vice versa. And we're like, oh, so, so we barely even knew each other. And then shortly after we wrapped at each other's events, I think I pitched them the idea. Like, yo, you want to do this album together? He's like, yeah, okay. <laughs> As you know, K John was a fun guy. So he, he was on board and yeah, so we just made it happen. And did, did not extensive touring, but did some spot dates. That was a lot of fun traveling around with k-drama doing shows so he's, he's a good guy yeah yeah so so i guess just what was i mean was there like any reservations on your end as far as like working with a christian artist at that time no at that time i was pretty immersed in it okay. um i was do- yeah i was doing a lot of uh, i worked at a church um i think that's actually where i met uh k-drama and so I was I was already performing and rapping in a lot of Christian spaces. Oh, that's what's um, up. and hanging out. And I really got my start as far as like you know re- doing like solid recordings, not just like in my living room with, you know, or you know, my mom's basement, you know, whatever you know, really whack recording device I had. Like I really got my start with City Futuristic. I don't know if you know that name, but. He was a Christian hip hop artist out of Indianapolis and I'm from Indiana. So we got connected and City really, you know, kind of mentored me uh, for several years. And he was the first one to like record me, I believe, record me in like a legitimate, a more legitimate studio. So like it was in his house, but it wasn't like, you know, it was, it was a little bit better than, you know, my, my hookup. He had been doing it a little bit longer. So yes, yeah, so I was really immersed in, in that world at that time. So I didn't really have any reservations. And when, you know, when I met K-Drama, like, we clicked. I clicked with him instantly because he, if you know him, he's a very jolly guy. And I'm a very optimistic guy. So we just, we clicked really well. We're just very positive. Don't really, you know, have much time for nonsense or negativity. Don't really, you know. And so we just clicked uh, pretty instantly because of, because of our characteristics. Okay, so so I'm learning stuff right now too, man, because I didn't realize yeah. that like you kind of came up in the faith. I mean, like was that like a, just like a part of life coming up, or or how did you kind of like what was your kind of faith journey like? Yeah, so I I had a mentor. Like I got into hip hop at a young age, and then teenage years, young adulthood, you know, I started getting into faith more seriously, and I had a mentor. Um, that you know really created some really cool opportunities for me in the music that I was making at that time. And actually, he was he was right there and, and pivotal in pivotal and K Drama's life as well for for some time. And um, so yeah, just so through a mentor, um, really uh, create like I said, he created some really great opportunities. There used to be a Reload conference, um, which it was like a a conference in all these different cities across the country uh for folks working with uh working in like you know christian context with, with young people and so my buddy was like over them and and he got me on to a lot of those conferences so i got to rap at them and hang out with people and meet people in different cities so so that was really really cool uh opportunity and uh yeah so yeah yeah i was, I was very very thick in it and just through people you know through mentors and friends that were also, you know, pretty thick in it, you know, opportunities, doors opened and, you know, went through them. So, I mean, if you're talking early 2000s, I mean, that's really the the kind of the, the time where Christian uh, rappers were really looking to break down 
some barriers, right? Break down some walls and, and gain more legitimacy within hip hop. Um, and, and so you're like right there in the thick of it, man. In your opinion, like, how do you view just that blending of faith and hip hop? Because there's some people, you know, especially when you're talking about in the church, when they hear hip hop, like they're quick to write it off, right? Like, oh, well, that's, um, that's worldly or, or whatever you want to say. Like, in your opinion, with you being there, like in the middle of when stuff was really, you know, it hadn't taken off to where it is to this point. How do you just view that, that interaction or that, that kind of crossroads of faith and a music genre that's based on, you know, urban street culture? Man, what a great question. (laughs) And this could take up the next few hours. Uh, But I'll try, I'll try to be short with it. Um, I'll do your thing, man. I think that in, in the context of religion, because I do a lot of interfaith, um, I, I, I work in a lot of interfaith spaces uh, since that time. Back then I wasn't, but now I am. And I think a lot of times just in religious spaces, you have uh, a few different types of people. You have your extremists that, you know, like you hear hip, like the extremists when, as it relates to Christian hip hop, like it's of the devil. I remember those lists that were put out, like, you can't listen to these Christian rappers because they're, you know, satanic or whatever. So you have that group. It has almost like a cult. Like, you, there's not much you can do there. Like, it is what it is. And I think that's a pretty small percentage from my experience. Then then you have the other the other extreme. I wouldn't say extreme, but the other side. It's like, yeah, we're welcoming. We'll welcome you. Oh, this is this is your art. This is how you, you know express yourself that's pretty cool tell me more so you have that side and that's relatively small too from my experience personally but then you have the 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 gap in the middle and it's usually people in the church at least they're reluctant at first but once they meet you sit down talk with you then it's like oh okay then they welcome whatever it is that you have you know as far as your, your art goes and so that was my experience um you know, traveling around, talking to people, you know, rapping at a gazillion churches that people were pretty, pretty, if they just had time, if, if they just sat with me and talked to me or they gave me a minute to talk before I, I performed or ministered or whatever, then usually most people were like, oh, okay, that's cool. You know, I, and I, I got this response so many times, people coming up to me, usually older, you know, I didn't like, I don't like rap music. I don't like hip hop, but I like you. I like your music. You know, and that tells me it's it's not it's not the music. It's it's what it's you know what they've been fed or what you know their, their blindsidedness or whatever the case is. And you know, once once you give people an opportunity to see something on a tangible level, most people you know receive it and are open to it. At least that was my experience. Yeah, man. And, and what about like the flip side of that, right? So, um, you know, early two thousands. You, I think there was like this shift, right? And you can go back to like a group like Deep Space Five, where I think a lot of Christian hip hop artists kind of got to the point where it's like, man, we're not necessarily trying to be okay or or accepted by the church per se. And there was like this focus on we want to be accepted just by underground hip hop in general. Right. And I think that's one thing that you guys with everybody's hip hop has been able to do is, you know, you, you break through, you, you've got a connection to, 
just kind of the mainstream, we'll call it mainstream hip hop audience. How do you think, how do you feel like the mainstream audience are accepting of Christian artists within hip hop at this point? Yeah, I think it just depends on, you know, the presentation and the person, you know, the artists and the group. I think that there definitely was a stigma around Christian hip hop for a long time. From my personal experience, for two reasons. One is a lot of it wasn't that good. Uh, Self included, <laughs> like a lot of that older stuff. I hope my newer stuff is better, but I, I just think for a long time it wasn't that good and the really good stuff wasn't really representing hip hop to the masses. So, you know, you might have like a DC talk and like someone's reference to hip, Christian hip hop is DC talk. Well, okay, that that's one thing. Like, Grips was dope, you know, um, and there was other dope MCs kind of on the underground, but they weren't really, you know, representative of Christian hip hop in the minds and hearts of, you know, the Christian masses. And like you said, that kind of changed. That definitely changed um, at some point. So now I think it's, it really depends. Like Lecrae is out there uh, doing his thing and he's widely accepted. Um, and then you have artists that are more, like like you said, the Deep Space Fives, the Scribbling Idiots. I think it's just really in presentation and how you present yourself. I mean, if you're making genuine art, authentic art, and part of that authenticity is, is a, you know, a faith or a belief you know, uh, a spirituality. I mean, spirituality and hip hop has been intertwined from the beginning. I mean, the 5% Nation has been a huge, you know, influencer of hip hop. A lot of the, you know, the greats rock him and, uh, you know, Wu-Tang. There's so many busts. There's so many artists that have been influenced by or have been members of the 5%. So like spirituality and hip hop is, you know, nothing new. Um, but the other thing, other than Christian hip hop just not being good for a while, I also think it was, um, you know, it just kind of got the rap of being like too judgmental and, you know, too righteous and like, eh, I don't really want to listen to that. I don't, wanna, I don't want you telling me what I need to do and what I shouldn't be doing. So I think there was some of that attached to it as well, um, which I think groups like Beast Space 5 and Screwing Idiot, you know, kind of broke the mold and Tunnel Rats, you know, they were just them. They were authentically them. And I think those, those artists, you know, definitely got, you know, respect and you know were accepted because they were from you know most of them from the culture and you know representing themselves authentically and, and people respected that so so i think now that's kind of where we are now i think if you're authentic you make dope music like all right dope i may not rock with your philosophy or your religion or whatever but i can appreciate your music because it's dope and i think that's where we are now a hundred percent a hundred percent and i know that was kind of off on a <laughs> on a uh, conversation there that we hadn't really planned for, but I love it, man. I love That's it. So, yeah. um, but, and I think whenever you listen to your answer there, another thing you see, you know, we talked about everybody's hip hop having this educational piece, but you guys also do a fantastic job of keeping the history of the culture, you know, in people's forefront of their thoughts. Right. So, so let's, let's dive into everybody's hip hop, man. Cause I, you know, I think you guys are doing so many different things that are needed and valuable. Um, when, when uh, around when did everybody's hip hop kind of start evolving and becoming a kind of a, a thing for you guys? That is a great question. Uh, I don't know when exactly what year, like 2016, 17, maybe, you know, I, from an early age, I just, I just started doing stuff, rapping, making albums, making beat tapes, performing, throwing events, 
And everybody's hip hop label was just kind of another thing I just tried. And it, it kind of changed and morphed over a few years. And then at some point I, I was doing the, the boom bap chats, you know, the, the podcast that we do. And I was doing it myself. And I thought, man, I really need to get some co-hosts. And somehow, some way, I, I got reconnected with Ayo Mas Murad, a really dope MC out of Chicago. And uh, even Canada now, but from Chicago. And the same day or the next day, I got connect, reconnected with him. I got connected with this cat named Cole Found, also from Chicago, who's really good friends with Ayo Mas Murad that I, I didn't even know those two knew each other. And somehow the three of us just kind of connected. It was very divine how it happened. And I asked both of them to be, you know, co-hosts and they said yes. And so they were on board a year or so before that when we started the book. Uh, I launched that with my man, uh, Big Stowe, Michael Stover and Bo Brown. And uh, Joe November was, was there helping us with that. So I kind of got connected with Joe online. So there's just all these connections that kind of happened very organically, you know, almost in divine fashion over a few years and kind of where we are now, where we have this kind of united front, the six of us. And, uh, yeah, we put out the podcast, you know, almost every week we take some holidays off. And then, you know, we got the book every year, magazines and, and, you know, the educational piece that you're talking about. So, so all of us together kind of on a united front, that kind of has gelled and cemented over like the past year. Um, but the idea, that kind of sparked it all, that got it all going. It was, like I said, about four years or so uh, in the making. Yeah. Yeah, man. And I watched, um, oh, well, I guess it must have been just a few weeks back, the uh, podcast you did, like the Teacher's Night, right? And you had Isle Moss on there. Yeah. Uh, that was super cool. I really appreciate that because, man, I, there's there's crazy the, this connection with hip-hop and education and being an educator myself you know, it's really intriguing to me. Uh, so anytime I come across something like that, you know, I, I'm like tuning in, right. Cause I want to catch it. But, uh, man, I think that was the first time I'd really like seen Iomas and, and heard him dude. And I'm like, no lie. Like, that, that's a dude I want to try to get connected with at some point, maybe get him <laughs> on the podcast as well. Cause he's yeah, got a lot well, of knowledge, man. Yeah. He's a really smart guy, man. Really smart. And, uh, yeah, we need to get, we're going to do that again. We're going to have educators night a few times throughout the year. So we will definitely invite you to come on, uh, one of those so that you can share your experience for sure. Oh, that would be awesome. Get y'all connected. Yes, sir. Yeah, yes, sir. Yeah, we'll do it. Yeah, okay. yeah. So, so everybody's hip hop. It's a label, but, but so much more, right? So you guys are creating music. Um, so let, let's talk a, bit, a little bit about that right now. Like, kind of, you know, what do you want to say about the the musical aspect of everybody's hip hop? I know you guys have some some new stuff in the works. What do you want to talk about? Yeah, well, musically, the label is set up to be very different from your you know typical label. I mean, your labels typically release music, and we do. However, we've really invested a lot of time and energy on figuring out how to find an audience. And we're still working on that daily because we want to be able to, to bring artists, you know, partner with artists and say, hey, we have an audience. And if we do an album with you, that album will immediately go to our audience. And so it'll be a boost to their career uh, if it's, you know, an artist that doesn't have that type of exposure yet. Um, then we'll be able to help them. So we spent a lot of time on that. 
as far as the music that we are putting out, uh, we have speaking to Ayo Masmarad, his first project uh, in several years is coming out uh, this month, later this month. So that's on Bandcamp, be a Bandcamp exclusive right now. So that's exciting. Then we have, I produced an album, another album for an MC named AC The Entity, who is a really dope MC. I really like this MC a lot. And we did an album together a few years ago called Power, where I did all the beats and did the lyrics. And so we're re-upping for another power. I'm not sure the name of it yet, but it's basically Power Part 2. And that'll be out uh, in May of this year. And then we also have an album uh, from Profound, uh, the Chicago MC I was telling you about that has hooked up with us. And um, his album should be out later uh, this year as well. So, and we got some, man, we got some really dope producers, uh, beats from some really dope producers in the mix that we're currently writing to and figuring out how to structure those. We have a lot of music that we're going to be putting out, but again, taking our time and really, really delving into how to, how do we find the audience that is interested in this type of, you know, music. So that's what we spend a lot of our time. Yeah, man. And a couple of follow-ups to what you just said. Uh, I'll start with, you mentioned with the Isle Moss uh, project that's coming, that it's going to be exclusively on Bandcamp. And I feel like I know part of the reason for this, but I want to hear it from you and I want people to hear it from you because we live in this age of music where so many, you know, specifically, you know, newer indie artists that's trying to find their way, they've bought into this idea of, I've got to be on Spotify and, I, and I've got to be on these DSPs that while they play a role in today's artist and, and their journey, I, I think some wolves being pulled over some eyes a little bit at the same time because they can't, they don't necessarily do what a platform like Bandcamp is able to do for an artist. So I guess just what's, kind of going into the decision for it to become or to come out as a Bandcamp exclusive, you know, at least initially? Yeah, that's a great question. And I, honestly, I don't know 100% of the reason because uh, one, of, one of the things we really do is we respect artists, man. And I almost, like, I, I just want to put it on Bandcamp right now. It's like, cool, right? I respect it. That's what we'll do. But to get to your point, I mean, yeah, all these platforms are tools. You know, Spotify is a tool, streaming platforms are a tool, Bandcamp is a tool. And I think it's really smart for artists. Even if you are going to put your music on streaming platforms, if you have an audience, even if the audience is small, it doesn't matter the size. If you put it on Bandcamp first for a week, a month, whatever, and say, hey, get it here and maybe, you know, throw in a bonus track, throw in the instrumentals or whatever. And you can only get this thing here, you know, on Bandcamp or just the exclusivity of saying, you know, get it first on Bandcamp, you know, before it goes everywhere else and give your give your fans an opportunity to support you. I, I think that's a really smart, wise way to do it. You know, so I think I think any artist is is wise to do it that way. And like I said, it's just tools and, you know, and it's just so incredible. Like all this stuff is at at our hands reach like there's no more middleman you know that you have to employ to do all this stuff like you can record an album you can put it on spotify if you want you put it on Bandcamp, and you can just test things one of the things that i learned that i just want to share for any artists out there that one i think it was substantial really dope mc um and he, he was on the boom bap chat before and he was like yo you know a lot of times i'll i'll put up albums short albums on streaming platforms because it's better for like the algorithms on the streaming platforms 
I was like, oh man, you know what? I think the next album we do, we're going to cut that sucker. It's going to be an album. So it's going to be the 12, 15 songs or whatever, because I love an album. But the way people are listening, a lot of people don't listen to albums anymore. And if they do listen to albums, they're more likely to be the person to go to band camp and buy the album or buy the CD or the vinyl or whatever. But then people that are streaming on like Spotify or whatever, they are more like playlists, singles, whatever. So I was, I'm like, next album we do, I, I'm gonna cut that sucker up for release four songs like each week for a month or something, and people can piece together their own playlist, but then also release it as like an album, you know, like on Bandcamp, and just play around with it. I mean, it's it's all about testing, you know, what your audience wants. I mean, how do you know what your audience wants if you know you don't give them stuff and see if, if they don't buy it? Okay, well maybe they don't want it, so maybe you know package it differently or make something else. But, you know, it's just a lot of it's just a lot of fun, man. We can just try all kinds of stuff. It's at our hands, you know. So pretty cool. Yeah, man, I love it. I hope the artists that are listening are, are taking notes right now because there, there is there's a lot of freedom now in the way that you can choose to do your music, right? It's, you know, especially as an independent artist. So yeah, I mean, try it, try it, because what do you got to lose? So the, the other question I wanted to ask you was you talked about um, working with artists through the label. When, when you're talking about potentially creating a partnership there, like what are you looking for out of an artist that you guys would consider working with? Uh, usually just fun and good music. Um, you know, for the if we're working with an artist that has a similar reach as we do, or if we have more reach in that scenario, it's like, all right, dope. Like we can share each other's audiences and platforms and kind of cross promote and expand both of our reach a little bit. And we can offer you something. You can offer us something. Typically what I like to do is, is I really, I'm really trying to build up our Patreon following. And part of the, the perk of supporting us monthly is whenever we do an album, the, our supporters get it first and foremost. So like the Iomas Marad project went out to our supporters like months ago. And so that's something that I really like to see, you know, when I'm working with the artists, that's one of the first questions, you know, if we put out an album, do you mind if I send it to our, our people, our supporters first and foremost, like, you know, months before we release it to the general public. Um, that helps us because that's a perk for our supporters. And then on, from the artist perspective, it's like, all right, that that's a perk for our side your perk is you know you you release this to your streaming platform and you know under your name and then like that kind of lives with you and so you know it's just kind of a win-win so but but really just look, look for dope artists you know that have their stuff together i don't really we're not really in the business of like you know artist development as far as like your your skills on the mic but like you got to be dope and you already have to be dope and already have to have a process of recording. Right? So we don't do like studio time or anything like that. You already have to have that, you know, situated. But we all, we really do strive to be able to, to help artists with their, you know, their marketing and reaching their audience and, you know, how to post and how often to post and how to speak and how to engage, you know, people and, and just helping them creatively, you know, roll out an album. So it's not just like, this Thursday night, my album drops, but there's a whole, you know, multi-month, months before the release, months after the release, here's a, you know, a whole spreadsheet of what we can do, you know, to market it and promote it, to get people ready for it, to follow up with people after it drops. 
Um, so we'd like to be able to provide those resources uh, to artists that we work with. So yeah, so just a few thoughts on artists we work with. That's amazing. That's amazing. And if an artist is interested in, you know, potentially touching base with you guys and, and seeing if there is a connection there or, or seeing if there's, you know, a, a potential relationship that can build, like how, how do you guys expect them to reach out to you and kind of, you know, get those initial contacts happening? Yeah. Just, I mean, we're all over uh, social media. So, I mean, I'm at MC till uh, everybody's hip hop label is on, you know, Facebook and, Instagram. So, you know, just see a post, comment on it, find, you know, find the DM, hit us up. We're very reachable uh, and just, you know, reach out and send us a link. Say hello. Now, it is different. Like, there are some in our crew that's like, you better approach us the right way, not spam us. I'm just like, yo, hit me up however you want. I don't care. If I got time, I'll check it out, you know, and uh, give it a listen. So, yeah, just reach out to us. Love it. Love it. And then, so, so we've talked about the music side of it. Let's talk about a couple of these other aspects as well. So, uh, you've got the podcast, man. Let's talk about what the podcast uh, is all about. Yeah, totally. Well, it's, it started, um, it's a boom bap chat every Thursday night at 10 p.m. Eastern. Uh, we do it live on Facebook and Twitch and on uh, YouTube. And, um, it started during the pandemic. I mean, I was doing all these Zoom meetings. And I thought, wait a minute, I can I could call artists and invite them on and just interview them and chat about hip hop. And so that was kind of the initial thought. And I tried it and then, you know, just said we're going to do it every Thursday for a year. And I did it. And then, you know, like I said, I, you know, invited Io Moss and Tofound to be co-host and they were on board and just kind of built, you know, just built up over the last, you know, two years. And it's just all about having conversations about the hip hop music and artists that we love. So we just invite on artists that we appreciate we appreciate them and then we have a conversation with them and then we typically end it um you know obviously talking if they have albums out and things they want to push we obviously talk about those things um but then we usually end it by talking about some of their favorite albums of all time hip-hop albums of all time and just celebrate what they love and what we love together and and uh yeah so that's that's kind of what what the boom bap chat is about it's about boom bap hip-hop you know Awesome, awesome, and, and and tell them one more time where they're gonna find that if they want to tune in to the podcast. Yeah, so on YouTube and Facebook, we have channels under Everybody's Hip Hop Label, and so you can just search that, and it pops up live uh, every Thursday night around tenish p.m. Eastern. And then if you miss it live, we always, uh, it's, I mean, it's posted there, so you can always find it. And then it's also, we also upload it as a podcast later. And so if you, whatever streaming device you're on, Spotify or whatever, just, you know, search Boom Bap Chat and uh, you should be able to find it. Perfect, perfect. And then you guys also have a virtual magazine, right? Or, or it's getting ready to come out, one of the two. Like, t- talk about the magazine aspect. Yeah, both. We, we uh, put out the pilot magazine back in August of, of just last year, 2021 thought it went really well had really positive feedback on it reached a lot of people so we're going to do another uh edition two editions this year um and super excited about that because there's things that we can do in the magazine that we can't do in our annual book um you know we can link music there's independent artists and businesses we're able to like you know give half uh half off even free advertising in there because we really want to support independent artists 
And so there's some really cool things that we're doing uh, with the magazine and some interviews that we're really excited about. The My favorite interview so far is Breeze Bruin. Uh, we got a Breeze Bruin interview uh, for our first magazine this year. And I was reading over the interview. I was like, oh man, this, this is something I would want to, want to read as a Breeze Bruin fan, you know? So I'm really excited. And I just don't, I don't think there's another magazine, virtual or physical, that exclusively covers boom bap hip hop. Uh, I've, I've said this a few times, so if people want to correct me, please do. But I don't think there's another magazine that exists like this. So we're really excited to, to you know, present it in this space. And, and what was that inspiration that got you guys thinking about doing a magazine? Uh, part of it is a small newspaper in Southern Oregon uh, that inspired me to do it. My my uncle, yeah, my uncle runs a, a newspaper out in Oregon. My brother. Um, kind of advanced it to another city out there in Southern Oregon and it, it has nothing to do with hip hop but they send it to everyone's homes in in the cities where they are out there and uh, I thought man it'd be cool to do like a hip hop paper like that but I was like I just can't I mean it's so it costs so much money to start up a paper like that and it costs so much money to send it out to everyone's homes I was like there's just no way where I am and like hip hop paper like you couldn't just send that to everyone's homes because like 99% of people were like what is this I'm not I don't know who A1 and Phonics are who is who's Sky Zoo you know they they wouldn't know because so I was like alright well maybe I can't do that but maybe I can do it virtually and so that's kind of where the idea came from and uh, just kind of took off cool 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 so with the virtual um, edition of the magazine you know you said you have one out already like going into it though before you released that first edition kind of how did what was the the picture you had in your mind and do you feel like you guys were able to achieve that with the magazine yeah I mean I, I had a loose idea of what it was going to be and look like I, I just I didn't know how to create it and, and until one night I was fooling around with a program that I used to create you know, a lot of graphic stuff and I realized that I could create it in there and then upload it to another platform that would turn it into like this flipbook magazine and so I just I, I made I just kind of mocked up like 10 pages and I was like oh snap this is like the only reason I hadn't done a magazine yet because I just I, I didn't think I knew how and that night when it like clicked I was like oh I, I do know how to do this and uh, after those, those like 10 pages I did, I was like, all right, this, this looks about like what I have envisioned. And so the, the end product, yeah, it, it did turn out like not like I didn't know exactly what I wanted, but I kind of had a feel, an idea. And it definitely the way it turned out definitely captured that feel. That's amazing, man. So we'll be looking forward to that uh, to that next edition as well. Like, do you guys have a timeline on that one? Yeah, so that one should be out in March, I believe. March and July. I think that's the, the months that we're going to release them in. Perfect, perfect, perfect. And man, I know I've been itching to get into talking about the book, but one more thing before we do, let's let's talk about the, the website just in general as well. First of all, give us that uh, that URL for the website. Yeah, so the, the magazine... Um, well, not the magazine. Well, yeah, the magazine, the book, and all we do, you can find it at boombapreview.com. Okay. And then you, you have some editorial pieces on the website as well, right? I mean, just give us a quick rundown. Give the people 
you know, an idea of what they're going to find at the website when they log on? Yeah, so immediately you'll, you'll go to a page that, you know, is promoting our book because we want you to buy the book, so make sure you do that. But if you're not interested in that or already have a copy, you can proceed, you know, to the website. And the website, you know, it's, it's the first page of the website after you, you know, go through the book. It's just a, it's kind of a letter expressing why we do what we do. And if you read that letter, I think you'll either want to, you know, keep rocking with us or you'll know, like, oh, no, this isn't really for me, which is fine. But I think after you read that letter, you'll know. And then, yeah, there's a blog on there that updates a little bit more. And then you can find the Boombap chat, the books, the magazine, everything we're doing, uh, you can find on that website. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And guys, again, joining me on the 520 Collective phone line from Everybody's Hip Hop, it is MC Till. Again, that website is boombapreview.com. And the book which you guys have your third edition out now of the book, the boom bap review, man. Uh, I, I love it. I'm going to tell you this. Uh, the series is inspiring us here at 520 collective. Um, so just know that for sure, right off the bat, but you, you know, this is your third year doing it. Talk about how the book just kind of came to be, man. Yeah. So, and thank you, by the way, man, I really appreciate that. The book originally, I like you remember in the back of like magazines, hip hop, you know, Double XL and the Source, they'd have like release dates of like new albums. Do you remember this? Yeah. So that kind of went away. But then there was like hip hop websites like hiphopsite.com and hip hop VX and underground blog. So there was these websites that would have release dates. And I would go there all the time, like, oh, when's this album coming out? Oh, I didn't know about this album. And then those kind of went away. And I, I just found myself one day like searching, like where can I find new release dates? And I couldn't find them and I don't like to complain. So I thought, all right, I'll just do it. I'll be the source. Everybody's hip hop label, that's one service we'll provide. But what I found was it was really hard to get release dates because artists are just releasing music like crazy, left and right. So they're not spending a lot of time on sending out release dates. They're just sending out the album. So that turned that idea turned into well i'll just i'll just start a list every month an ongoing list of albums that come out that month that i think are dope so i started that list and after a few months i was like oh my goodness at the end of this year we're going to have a pretty extensive list of dope boom bap hip-hop albums so the original idea was just to release like a pretty small book almost like pamphlet like book where we just list out a hundred albums and that's basically it but then I thought, wait a minute, we could put a little more meat to this thing. And so that's when the idea came in to write some reviews and write some retrospective pieces. And then year two, we added the hip hop essays uh, to the book. And then, you know, uh, this past book, volume three, we added a few, you know, uh, more authors, some more writers. And so it just kind of has grown and built every year since. But it started with that one idea of just a, a release date source. Right, 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 right. And then, I mean, obviously it's called the Boom Bap Review, but it's not strictly Boom Bap, although the majority of it is, right? Like, what's the criteria that you guys are looking at whenever it comes to deciding whether an album is going to, you know, make the cut for the book? Yeah, so we're actually rethinking how we do this right now. So if you're, if you, if your audience, anyone has ideas on the criteria that we should use, please, please hit me up. Let me know what your thoughts are. Um, up to this point, there's, there's a link that an album has to, to meet. I mean, we, we, I think we say like 20 
Oh man, I can't remember, but there's a link. So like, if it's just like an EP of like three songs, we can put it in there, but not the top 100 albums. So there's a link that you have to meet. And then for the most part, it's just me listening to the music and deciding which ones I think are really dope. And then, you know, the guys in the group, you know, if there's an album that comes out, they're like, yo, this should really go in the book, you know, because it's super dope. And so we'll put that in there. Um, but up to this point, mostly just me, just kind of, because li- I just listened to so much. Um, I'm just kind of, you know, going through all the albums that come out and just kind of categorizing them. Now, one thing that I do um, that I want to put a little bit more meat to is like, I albums that have a, a more positive message to them, I tend to rank those a little higher. And it's because I think that's important. I think having a good message that is uplifting is an important attribute to a good album. Now, there are albums where I feel like the, the message is not all that uplifting, but I can't deny the talent. You know, I can't deny how dope it is. So those albums certainly, you know, get listed too. Um, but I definitely put a little more weight on albums that have that more positive message to them. Yeah, man. And, you know, earlier you were talking about, you know, the idea of the fan that's going to buy an album like on Bandcamp compared to the, the fan that's going to stream music, right? And, and I think what you guys are doing with the book definitely appeals to that audience that's really looking to um, purchase albums and, and they're invested in them and they're the, the hip-hop heads, right? Um, because, you know, one thing that's super cool about what you guys are doing with the Boom Bap Review is, yeah, you get some of the bigger names in hip hop, but a lot of it is the underground artist. I'm trying to think like, I know you had like Nas's album in, in the new one. Right. So you get a few guys like that, but are you guys, do, does that come into any consideration? Like how much or, or how many albums from like the quote, bigger names in the space that you're going to include? Um, and, and are you being intentional about giving some spotlight to, those kind of underground artists uh i would say maybe a little bit of thought is put into that when it comes to which albums we write reviews for i sometimes will think oh man i i don't know if i've actually acted on that instance yet but sometimes i think oh, i should really write an album review for this album because you know it's, it's such an underground album that people need to know about but as far as the top 100 no i i just feel like that needs to be dope music if it's dope boom bap it doesn't matter if you're Nas or Buster Rhymes who, you know, hit pretty high up last year. Or if you're someone like VCs that I just came up, I, I found out about VCs, you know, this year or in 2021. And she didn't even put out an album. She put out two four song EPs with Funky DL. And so one of them alone really wouldn't meet the requirement, you know, the length requirement that we have for the album, for the top 100, but both of the EPs together would. So I was like, oh, screw it. Let's just put this in there as one album because it's just so good. And, you know, that's kind of the, the point is not to be a stickler about who's in, who's out, and, you know, the technical, you know, time length and all of that. I mean, the point is to celebrate this music we love. So if there's an album that doesn't quite fit, but it, it, it represents the culture and it's dope, then, you know, we'll find a way to put it in there. Uh, so, yeah, so we're very little rhyme or reason is given to how popular or not popular an artist is so Nas could certainly get the number one spot next year or some MC I've never heard of could get it next year you know whoever makes the dopest music you know yes sir yes sir as it should be as it should be so 
with this being the third installment of it, in, well, in 2021, so it came out in November, right? How, just from your side of it, how, how are you feeling as far as just like the momentum that this thing has got? Because it seems like, you know, you guys are definitely growing that support behind this publication, man. Like, what's that like sitting on your side of it as the author of this series? Yeah, it feels great. I mean, it, it feels so great that we are releasing, you know, a book mid-year this year. That's going to be similar format, but about, you know, the Native Tongue Collective. So we feel like there is momentum. And so we're going to try to capitalize on that, you know, with uh, another book uh, mid-year. And, you know, just the exciting thing is, like, people get these books and, like, they immediately post about them. And we don't tell people to. I mean, there, there are artists, there are promotional copies that we'll send out. We're like, yo, if you like it, you know, share it for us. But people buy the book and immediately take a picture. Like, yo, I just got my copy. And people are talking about how this is, like, an annual tradition for them and how their, their, you know, their spouse bought this book for them for Christmas and stuff like that. And so it's just really exciting, you know, you're like, man, that, this is, this is our idea. You know, this is something we put together that people are, you know, excited about all over the world. And it's just, yeah, it's a really cool feeling, a really cool feeling. So we couldn't be more thrilled about it. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And with uh boom bap review volume three, Man, what what's some stuff that uh, what what's some highlights for you, or, or what do you um, tell people like, hey, this is what you're going to find in the book? Yeah, well, definitely new writers. Iomas Marad has a few pieces in there, which is really dope. Profound has a few pieces in there, so broadening a little bit, you know, voices uh, in the book is really cool. Um, another really cool thing is like we came across um, this guy who was doing. We didn't know this. This guy named Lord Triple A. He has a really cool story about about how he got involved in hip hop and how hip hop is, you know, not saved his life, but it borderline saved his life. And he was doing something called Boom Bap Reviews on Blogspot years ago. And so he hit us up, was like, yo, I've been doing this thing. You know, we both got the same name. So anyway, we worked it out. It's like, yo, let's let's kind of help each other out. So we we put one of his reviews a retrospective piece in the book about Cypress Hill, which is super dope because I'm a you know huge Cypress Hill fan and I really like how he he wrote about this group and about their first album and so we put um, you know some of that blog uh, in the book so that's cool uh, just the additional writers and um, that piece about Cypress Hill is, is exciting and the other thing exciting about this book you kind of touched on it is you. You know, you have art like like Nas. Nas made the book. Nas made the top twenty. I think we put him at nineteen. Um, King's Disease too, which means there are eighteen artists that that got ahead of Nas. That that can brag that yeah, we we got ranked ahead of arguably the greatest MC of all time. And I think it's because eighteen you know groups artists made better albums than Nas did. You know, and so just having having being able to spark that conversation because i know people would be like you're crazy <laughs> you know Nas is, Nas is the best he, he should have been number one and there's going to be people that say no nah, Nas made a trash album that's that's this beat flesh garbage that shouldn't even be in the book and so just to be able to spark those conversations with the list is exciting as well yeah man and so if i'm an artist and i put out a project and, I, and i'm like man how, how do i get on these guys radar how, how can i potentially get um 
in the book because I know one of the guys that I'm close with, uh, Brinson from God Chasers. You know, he, him and Ready Rider put out a project this year under Medallions that I was able to work with them, like on the cover art and stuff. You know, they got a honorable mention in the book. Um, like, how do artists go about trying to make sure that you guys see their content? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, you, you, you got to push for it, um, for sure. I mean, I, I try to be as unbiased as possible and just listen to as much, as many albums as I possibly can. And the ones that I think are dope, you know, I, I definitely, you know, put towards the top. Um, but, you know, just let me know. Send, send me the links. Um, some artists will, if they press up CDs, I do a lot of CD reviews because I'm still a CD head. So I like to promote artists that put out CDs. So if you have, even if, if it's not in the book, if you have an album on CD, and if I think it's just okay, <laughs> I'll, I'll do a video about it and, and talk about it, get people, kind of get people talking about it. But to answer your question, just hit, you just hit me up, reach out with the link, the album, and a press kit helps too. And not a, like a really, you know, long-winded, like huge story, but even just like some bullet points about who you are as an artist who inspires you why do you make the music you make you know this stuff like that is really helpful for me to kind of get an idea of like who you are as an artist a little bit as i you know jump into your music so if if there's an artist out there that wants to get you know reviewed uh for the book just you know send me those links and i'll check it out perfect perfect and, and i know we're coming up on it here i don't want to you know take advantage of your time a couple of things that you said there one I'm a I'm a huge CD guy still as well, so I'm right there with you. I mean, my my commute to and from work, I play CDs. Uh, that's I love having that that physical thing that you can hold in your hand and like look at the you know the liner notes and, and all that stuff. So uh, I wish more people were doing it, you know. But you, you talk about that. You talk about um, having you know kind of a press kit as well, and these are things that are traditional kind of tools for artists that have maybe move to the back burner a little bit and i think sometimes almost mistakenly right uh how do you view kind of just where the current trends in music and the way that artists kind of promote themselves are going and are artists missing out on some opportunities with some of these tools i mean i know you know touring's been weird with the pandemic and everything but i know i think everyone wants to get back to more shows and stuff um just what's your general feel about that side of just music today? Yeah, I just think art, artists that are good at, you know, making good art and are good at, you know, engaging people are the artists and, and have a really great work ethic. There's nothing that can stop you, you know? I mean, if you put out good art and you're good at communicating with people and you do it constantly... You know, you can win in this game, uh, in my opinion, because uh, it's just the, the tools available to us are incredible. So I think you you just have to keep working and keep keep learning. You know, I mean, that's the thing that we're trying to do. Like, yeah, we got the book, so we know how to do. We know how to write a book now. We know how to you know self publish. We know how to put it out, and you know, so we know how to do that. How how do we sell you know twenty thousand copies of this book? You know, is that possible? How do we figure that out? So it's it's an evolving learning. You know, you always have to be learning, and especially with the way technology is uh, it's moving, changing so so quickly. It's like, how do you, 
try to stay up with that, but at the same time, do the things that are going to root you for years to come. Like a website, Big Stowe is always harping on artists to get a website because a website is something is going to weather the storm. Twitter will, will fade at some point, Facebook will at some point, but your website will stay for you know much longer. So what are the things that you need to have that are you know probably never going like they're going to be foundational things that you can build off of and what are the things that you like have to jump on real quick ride that way for a second and say nah this isn't me and then jump on the next wave but how do you balance that and it's just all about trying and learning and just working working like crazy you know just have a strong work ethic and a strong curiosity you know and ability to to get out there and and fail a bunch of times and, and try things that don't work and change and you know it's all that stuff uh and and constantly doing it and evolving as you do it, you know. Yeah, man. And, and what's your? I, I know that like like touring and live shows and stuff is important to you. So let's let's talk about that for a minute, um, because you know, obviously, with the, just the way that everything's gone in society over these last couple of years people have had to pivot and make changes and i mean you got some people that are doing that's done virtual concerts right which is cool um but there's still not that same connection as when you're in the same room with an artist right so how do you view it man do you see us hopefully getting back to where you know tours are a thing and it's not oh well if i buy this ticket do i have to worry about it if the show's gonna get canceled because of health reasons and that kind of stuff like what's your thoughts there Totally. I mean, I, I would I would assume at some point we are going to move past, you know, this virus to where the virus will just kind of, you know, morph into just kind of being like any other virus that you can get when you go out um, and won't be as contagious. Like, I'm not a scientist, but I just at some point you would think that will beat this thing. I mean, it's not the first time there's been an outbreak like this in the world. You know, the world has seen many of these before and have overcome them. But unless we're living in the apocalyptic times, man, the world's about to end. <laughs> uh, but aside from that, yeah, aside from that happening, I'm sure we'll get past it. And when we do, yes, tour, tour, tour. If you are an artist and you are not married, if you don't have kids, like I would say don't bat an eye. Jump in, figure out how to do it and do it. One, it's not as hard as people think. And two, it's so much fun. It's probably some of the most fun I've ever had in my life touring. And like I said, it's not as hard as people think. At least in my experience, it wasn't. So, so what would be a what would be a couple of just best practice advice that you would give to artists? You know, especially you got some that really haven't started coming in to their own or, or doing much as an artist without it being covid right so what what's your advice to them on when hopefully we get to that point and and they can start looking at it and if they're overwhelmed going man like i don't even know like where where do you point them to to start yeah well i i love this question and i actually have many times thought about starting like a consulting to independent artists uh just talking to them about touring so in my mind there's two ways to do it one you just figure out how to buy or work your way onto a tour. So like someone else is touring, you figure out how to be friends with them, you tell them you'll go on tour with them to sell his his or her merch. You'll do whatever it takes. Like you don't even have to perform. <laughs> just get on the road and just get some experience and maybe you'll get, you know, a chance to do like a song or whatever. So that's one way you can do it. 
the way I did it was I sat down and Wonder Brown, shout out to Wonder Brown, Scribbling Idiot. Uh, he helped me with this and kind of inspired me to do it because it was his idea to do a tour. Sat down and mapped out all the cities we were going to go to. Now, in our case, we were traveling from Cincinnati to San Francisco where he was relocating. And so we just mapped out all the, like, all the cities we thought we could go to in between Cincinnati and San Francisco. And as we mapped them out, we thought about people we knew in those cities. And it could be anyone. Like it could be someone that's involved in hip hop. It could be a family member, a friend. It didn't matter who it was. But we just mapped it and put out all, and we created a spreadsheet. And in each city's spreadsheet, say Chicago, we would just type in all the, the people we knew in Chicago. All the people we knew in St. Louis, all the people we knew in Kansas City, even if it was just one person. And we would we started there. Because why start a cold call when you can hit up someone you know? So we just reached out, man. It was just a lot of reaching out. And back then it was emails and phone calls. And I just emailed and called. I called my cousin that lived in St. Louis. Like, yo, you know, we're trying to do a show. Where would you recommend? They said, you know, call this restaurant or call this music venue. They might have you. And it was, it was like a nine, not a nine to five job, but it was like a job. Like I got home from my regular job. I sat down at the computer and I got to work on the tour. And it took a lot of time and a lot of energy. But the thing was, it wasn't complicated. It took time, but it was not complicated. Because all, all it is, it's a matter of being organized, which if you know how to type, you can organize yourself or you know, take it back to notebook and pen, I guess you can do that too. But you just have to stay organized and you just have to make a ton of calls. If you call a thousand venues and ask them if they'll you know, let you get on for a night, odds are a couple of them are going to say yes. And if that's the percentage and you want to do 10 shows, you got to call 10,000 venues. Like it's just a matter of math. And hopefully it's not going to take that many, but you get the idea. Like it's just a lot of work, but it really isn't that complicated. And for me, it was totally worth it. Like we didn't make back, you know, we didn't lose money. We made, made a little money while we were on tour, but it wasn't that much. And it definitely didn't cover the cost of the time I put into it. But man, those experiences. And then once you go to a spot, if you're good, they don't want to have you come back. And if you're nice, if you're nice and you go and you shake hands, hey, how you doing? Thank you so much. Hey, sound guy, how are you? Blah, blah, blah. You know, if you're just a nice person, you treat people with dignity and respect and you enjoy them and they enjoy you. Like when you call them for your next tour, hey, I'd like to come back, blah, blah, blah. Odds are they're going to say yes, you know. And so once you get the ball rolling... And once you start calling people, you you learn how to you know do your pitch a little bit better, and how to email a little bit better. You just learn as you as you go, and so that yeah. So I would say just you just have to jump in and do it, um, and you can you can make it happen. You may not make a lot of money, but it's a start and it's fun. And why not do it? You know, if you have the opportunity to do it. A hundred percent, hundred percent. I love it, man. I love it. This is the kind of stuff that artists need to be hearing and man I, I know we could probably keep on going but i want to respect your time so let me i'll just put it out this way man like you guys you, you have an open-ended invite here at 520 collective to where we can talk whenever you feel like it man you know whether it's on the podcast or or we do maybe a special thing in the discord whatever it looks like if you want to do it let me know and we'll make it work man because i love it I, i'm just gonna say that yeah man tell them one more time man 
where do they need to go in order to support MC Till and and uh, support everybody's hip hop? Yeah, just go to boombapreview.com and you can read all about uh, the book and you can read about the guys too. It's not just me. You know, my man Bo Brown's been there from the beginning. Uh, Big Stowe, my man Profound, Iomas Marad, and Joe November. And you can read about their favorite albums and there's links uh, to to our social media um, there at the page too so yeah boombapreview.com get the book check us out let us know something love to hear from you perfect perfect and I guess since we've had you on now and we've had Stowe on the podcast like I said we're going to have to work on getting some of the other uh, guys from the crew on here at some point so we'll, we'll see if we can make that kind of some bucket list items as we move forward as well yes sir well MC Till I appreciate your time and, and for hopping on the podcast with us, man, and excited for what's going to happen throughout 2022 over at Everybody's Hip Hop, sir. Yeah, dude, thank you, man. I really appreciate this opportunity, and thanks for what you all do as well, man. Thank you. A hundred percent. So, guys, go check them out. BoomBapReview.com. Everybody's Hip Hop support because these are the kinds of people that we need support for you know when it comes to the culture like just a hundred percent so go and do it uh again shout out to our episode sponsors including the bookkeeper 247.com check them out at tbk247.com and yeah we will see you guys on the next podcast